This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, episode 34. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I'm Brett Duncan, and I am here with Chris Fuller. Hello, Chris. Hey, Brett. How are you today? I'm doing great. Just uh, getting reacclimated back from a trip to China. So um, I'm still working on the energy level, but the trip was exciting, and we did a six mile hike up to the Great Wall. Actually, we did a mile hike up to the Great Wall and about five miles along the Great Wall. So it was an amazing adventure and uh, still kind of reeling from the adventure. That was a that was an amazing time. And uh, gathering the uh, the energy level and excited to come back in and, and, and focus on developing leaders on this side of the pond, so to speak. Nice. Yeah. No, I saw some Facebook pictures that looked uh, pretty awesome of you, the two of you on the wall there. So I mean, what was that, you know, what was your biggest takeaway from being on the wall? I mean, you know, my need for adventure yeah. was the biggest takeaway. Um, I need that adventure. I need that daring. I need to chase something. And so whether it's Iditarod or, or um, you know, um, <laughs> flying to uh, the base camp, you know, choppering a helicopter to the base camp of Everest or climbing, you know, whatever or doing what I just have that need for. Uh, the adventure side of life. And I need to see the adventure in everything that I'm chasing, whether it's life or leadership. It kind of comes on into that same place. So kind of getting to know myself a little bit deeper that simply says every once in a while, man, I got to break free and just kind of go uh, go to that place that brings me to a point in time where I can just look at the expanse and just breathe and take in the awesomeness of everything that surrounds us. Oh, yeah. Well, that sounds great. Give me some of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, and you mentioned uh, you mentioned Iditarod, and as we're recording this, it is March the 3rd, which, uh, as you were telling me before we got on here, tomorrow is a special, uh, special day in regards to that, right? Yeah, so last night was the Mushers Banquet. Every Thursday night prior to the race is the Mushers Banquet. And tomorrow is the ceremonial start on the streets of Anchorage where I um, cut the ribbon. You can see that on the back of the book. I cut the opening ribbon for the for the opening ceremony. And um, and then so they'll start. Um, there's a lot of things that you can get involved in. If you get excited about Iditarod or think about it, you know, you can actually bid on and win riding in the sled of one of these famed mushers down the streets of Anchorage in the ceremonial start. Really? It's and a, so uh, if you ever get a chance to, to go there, um, look up Iditarod.com and uh, maybe jump in and follow the race as it's happening. As this is going to go to a podcast, it'll probably be displayed Thursday or Friday of next week. So you'll be about halfway through the race and can uh, watch as that race unfolds and finishes out. Nice. That's awesome. I'll definitely have to check that out. And for those of you that maybe are new to the podcast, if you're not aware, Chris, uh, one of his uh, great book is I Did Arrive Leadership. Definitely suggest you check that out. Uh, really relates a lot of the principles of the race to leadership and business and in life. And uh, I'd say the first, I don't know, what was it, 10 or 11 episodes of the podcast uh, really had to do with breaking down the concepts in that book. So I uh, definitely recommend you go back and do that. I'm sure we'll touch on it a little bit today because we're going to continue 
uh, you know, kudos to you, by the way, Chris, you had a theme for the year and we are still on it. We're still digging into it and we're, you know, almost a, a fourth of the way through the year here. And uh, that theme is maturity, right? That was your kind of word for the year. It is. And, you know, I was at the National Speakers Association's Winter Conference last weekend on the way back from China mm -hmm. and them talking about what other people are doing in their business even inspired me more that there are some things in my business and my consulting practice and my leadership that I I have to mature. I have to step up. I have to to get at level for my leadership behaviors. And so even more so committed to the word on maturity and focusing in on adding those pieces. You know, maturity is not necessarily that sexy word that we look at. Oh, man, I hope I get to mature. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, what that maturity will do for, for us in belief systems, in mindset, in approach, in compounding interest. You know, I, I heard somebody say at the conference, they said that um, – uh, I think what Einstein said, the eighth wonder of the world is compounding interest. Hmm. <laughs> that's actually pretty good. I've never heard that one. And I thought, man, that's awesome. Maturity is about doing the things right daily that allows compounding interest to occur in your leadership and business life. Wow. So I, I have a side note here, curiosity, but you said it was, tell me the name of the conference again. The National Speakers Association's Winter Conference. Okay, so I mean that. What is that conference like? So there's a there's a lot. You know, this year I am uh, in the hunt for um, for being recognized as a certified speaking professional, with which only around 700 and something speakers worldwide have that designation. Wow. And uh, so I just got a note back from the Raider that um, you have to. Um, you have to have at least 20 clients rate you and your score has to be over 30 on a 38 scale. And she said, Chris, I, I got your 20 people, 20 people signed up really fast to, to, to be able to rate you. And, uh, and the score that we got back out of 38, you scored a 37.4, which is the highest score we've had. Your people love you. Wow. Congratulations. That was humbling. And still it chokes me up that that my heart and goal is to add value and that uh, the people that are receiving that value are making that recognition. So if you're listening to this podcast and you are one of those that uh, one of the 38 that we asked to rate us, uh, thank you so much for your belief in what we do. Man, that is great. Congrats. Well, you know, certainly uh, certainly doesn't surprise me, nor does it our listeners uh, as we dig in here. But today we're going to talk about uh, that aspect of maturity uh, that uh, a lot of times we don't, I don't know, maybe maybe when we think about, hey, I want to mature, I want to do uh, get better, we might not be thinking in these terms, but you're saying a, a very important component of maturity is to be others-centric. Uh, and you push that on to the, the inverse of that, saying immaturity focuses on self, maturity focuses on others. Uh, ramp on that a little bit. What do you mean by that? Well, if you think about it, um, Brett, I know you're right in the middle of, uh, of child rearing. Yes. And uh, luckily, I'm, I'm a uh, – not luckily, in case my kids are listening to this. Love you, kids. <laughs> um, the uh, – 
in the early years of formation, children are mainly worried about themselves. They're focused on themselves. I need to be fed. I need to be changed. My needs matter. And we walk through those meltdowns where even in the teenage years, life is consumed with self and with self-image, self-preservation, et cetera. And it, there comes a point somewhere in life where you turn your focus off of that inner focus, that inner self, and you start focusing in on the needs of others. And so, uh, again, maturity focuses on the needs of others or being other centric. Immaturity focuses on self. Immaturity focuses on my need. Maturity focuses on mutual wins and mutual benefits all the way around. And And maturity is not necessarily a... Uh, a, a, um, a state of age. It's not chronology that allows us to get to that maturity. It's mindset that allows us to get to that maturity. And I've met teenagers that were more socially oriented and cause oriented um, than, than, you know, 30, 40 year old adults that were more focused on their own needs. And that larger play for a leader and for life is to be other centric. Life is lived best when life is lived for others. Yeah, so it, it really, you know, it's interesting because it is I sit here and think about that and I think about my eight year old and who, you know, hey, he's maturing a bit. Right. And I can think back when he was four and he was extremely self-absorbed and now he's just self-absorbed in other ways. Right. Um, <laughs> but if he was if he continues to be that way, you know, when he's thirty five and forty five, you know, that's where immaturity really sticks out like a sore thumb, right? And just because, uh, and we don't, we might not think of it as immaturity, right? When we're so self-centered and so self-absorbed, but that's exactly what it is based off of what you were just saying. Yeah. And, and that's a key piece. Again, we've talked about emotional intelligence and that's sort of a key theme in everything that I do. And step one of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And just am I aware of how much of my time is spent on my own needs and or can I go to step two, which is self-management, and then go to step three, which is being socially aware or others aware? Mm, yeah. And when you're others aware, you really focus on um, what are the needs of others? So in business, if we're not others aware we are simply extracting value from our clients and customers instead of meeting a need. We're not a trusted advisor embedded into the integral part of the lives and business of our clients and customers. We're simply a transactional vendor trying to extract value. Mm. Yeah. What a mind shift, mind shift it is. You know, you, we've, uh, I'm sure people listening can think of vendors or people they've worked with that on the one hand, they just poured value into them, right? It's like, oh, I don't, I don't even think about paying this invoice because the thought of not having this partner, this supplier, whoever they are, I don't even want to think about life that way. And then on the other hand, you have those that, you know, whatever they're charging might be a third or a fourth of the price, but it just kills you to pay it because you, like you said, it's just a transaction, right? And you're just like, man, I don't, I don't know if I'm getting what I need to out of this. And a lot of the times that comes down to, kind of the maturity level, right, of the of the relationship. Yeah, nobody wants to be, I always say, nobody wants to be managed, right? I mean, how many of us wake up in the morning, our first thought was, oh, man, I hope my boss manages me today. Yeah. I wish my company would just extract every ounce of value they possibly can get from me. I hope I go into the store and get sold something. I mean, none of us have that mindset, right? Yeah. 
And so the mindset that we have is, I wish somebody would invest. I wish somebody would contribute. I wish I could get into a mutual relationship where uh, all of these aspects are about this mutuality, this give-give instead of a take-take. And so when we talk about this maturity, it really gets into that point. Um, and there's no greater example than tying it back to the Iditarod dog sled race. The Iditarod, and Brett, we've talked about this before, but the Iditarod dog sled race for the listeners, the reason that it was run is it's a commemorative race to celebrate a group of five to six mushers that in the 20s was faced with a situation. They were faced with a situation where the people in the village of Nome would have died if they would not have braved life and limb and negative 50 degree temperatures and nasty trail conditions to move this life-saving serum 800 miles to be able to save other people's lives. Now you can say, well, for the sake of 30, 50, 100 villagers, these five people risk their lives. Why would, why would they risk their lives? Why wouldn't they stay safe and just allow these 50 or whatever people, 100 people to just fight it out on their own? Well, they were mature and they were others centric. And so they discomforted themselves to be able to add value to others, to have that social cause beyond self that ultimately now has become this commemorative race. We're celebrating the selflessness of these mushers every year through this race. Mm. Wow. What a great way to kind of bring it full circle there. And it's, you know, thinking about maturity this way. Um, I'm going to, I'm about to toss up a softball for you. Are you ready, Chris? Here it comes. Uh, thank Always you. ready. Okay. Thinking of maturity this way, how does that uh, make an impact? You know, we say leadership is influence. So what does maturity that is others focus, what does that do with your influence? Um, <laughs> Luke, you must <laughs> use your skill for good and not evil. Um, so, <laughs> The, it really, it does. It focuses in on how can I use every ounce of the giftings that have been placed in me and how can I leverage my influence not to extract value, but to add value in the belief that in that adding of value, that mutuality, I will have every need of mine met. You know, uh, grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth, and there's no greater speaker in uh, in the history of Dallas-Fort Worth, maybe one of the top in the nation ever than Zig Ziglar. Mm-hmm. And so one of Zig's favorite sayings was, if you add enough value to others, if you spend that life focusing on adding value to others, you'll have everything and more of what you want. Mm -hmm. And it's that belief system that if I serve and add value, then that that sowing and reaping, that cause and effect, that karma, whatever you want to call it, it's coming back to me and hopefully, you know, multiple fold. But. Uh, again, the belief is if I serve, if I add value, that's coming full circle. Yeah. So let's get a little practical here. Um, you know, as we think about the leaders that are listening right now, uh, they're leading teams or leading groups of people. And I'm going to assume they're not all the way at the lowest you know, level of immaturity, but they probably feel like there's a level of maturity that they still need to to reach and aspire to. But, you know, how do you assess that? What are the steps you take? become the more uh, mature, other-centric leader that you're talking about? Well, the first step, if you have a team, is um, number one, why do you have a team? And number two, 
is the team better off or worse off with you as their leader? Oh, wow. So one of the things that I'm thinking about now, I'll, I'll just kind of blow past that one. That one stung a little bit. Yeah, it did. Um, <laughs> all right, let me back up for this thing. Is your team better off or worse off because you are their leader? When you think of the leader you have, do you believe your team is better off or worse off and why? Mm. So to be other centric, I have, and I've said this before, but as a leader, I have the right to boss you, but the responsibility to build you. Mm. So if I have the right to boss, I can be extracting a value. I can be self-centered where you work for me. I control your career. You're here to help me instead of you're a value trusted partner and we have mutual responsibility uh, because we're all living life at the same time. We are in a partnership to ultimately attain what we are in the business to attain. And so I think that that, that first step is just why do I have a team? Why do I have customers? And if we're on that uh, that metered scale, is this a 50-50? Is it 100-100? Or is there an imbalance in the give-give relationship in every aspect of the organization? When stakeholders demand and, and C-suites demand to extract the value out of the customer and the people base for the sake of the investors, everything starts to tilt in an incongruent way. But when we're satisfying the needs of the customers, the needs of the employees, and the needs of the investors simultaneously, that becomes that mature, others-focused, win-win, abundance mindset. Man, I'm still sitting there hanging on, am I bossing or am I building, right? I mean, that's such a great way to look at it. Uh, And again, you said you had the right to do it, right? So devil's advocate. I was placed in this leadership position by my superiors because they trust that the things that I want to get done, the way I get them done, is going to accomplish what the company wants. So if that's the case, if my team serves my needs, am I not doing what the company has asked me to do? They're trusting that my needs are the right ones for this position? Yeah, I, mean, I think we're coming down to um, <laughs> let me let me answer your question with a question. There we go. What's the difference between influence, persuasion, charisma, and manipulation? I think you've got me with this one before, and I don't. I still don't think I have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> motive. The, I would the say. only motive. <laughs> difference is the intent of the heart and how the recipient feels about it. Mm-hmm. So. If I'm tasked with getting results with and through the team, my take is, are you only in it for short-term results or are you in it for sustainable results? See, if I'm in it and I'm charged with just short-term, turn it around, cut off the arms and legs, um, try to keep the body in check and then build it back in the future, short-term is different than sustainable. If I'm in charge of sustainable results, then how I get results with and through the team matters because the team needs to stay engaged and continue to build an effective process with full engagement, uh, with full enlightenment, with that mutuality so that we can sustain this long-term. Short-term versus long-term, Charisma, persuasion, influence versus manipulation, all of these are just those differences that say, again, am I adding 
or am I extracting value from them while we're meeting these needs? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Good, good answer. Good, good question answer there. Uh, yeah, great question. <laughs> well, and it's again, it's it, it's really it's a constant battle and a constant balance. I, I have to assume because there's there's no doubt many of us uh, as leaders, there are things that we personally want out of what we're doing as leaders, right? And so it's a matter of how do I balance that? And do they live together? And it kind of goes back to your Zig Ziglar quote, right? Of, hey, the easiest way to get there is to actually do things for other people, right? You know, it, it's that farmer's mentality. And I think that there was, when we moved from an agrarian to a uh, to a, an industrial and now into a technology society, I think we've lost some concepts. And one of them is that concept of sowing and reaping mm-hmm. and that when we add that, and we water and nurture that, then eventually that crop will take care of us. And I think we have to take that same approach with others, with our customers, with our team. And that is pour the seed, water the seed, add the value and believe the harvest will come. And we're seeing that a lot in social media and especially in the consultative um, thought leader space where we add value, add value, add value. And somebody eventually raises their hand and says, hey, can you help our organization with X? And then the harvest or the return of that value happens. But if you're not in the value added game before um, before people, you know, quote unquote, try before you buy, the chances are in our game, in our industry now, we're almost back to that agrarian society of sowing with the belief that we're going to reap as opposed to just extracting, manufacturing, selling goods. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. That's very helpful. You know, we were talking as we prepared for this uh, episode, you you were kind of thinking about the millennial mindset and really how it plays into this extremely well, even though sometimes they get a bad rap for it. It's really actually they might be ahead of the curve a little bit here, right? You know, I think that this is one of the first generations that has a little bit of a disillusionment with the American dream. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that if you work hard, head down, keep moving, do, you know, all this is going to pay off. And I think that they've seen that uh, with some of the downturns in the economy and some of the, you know, maybe the the scraping and profiteering and puffing up of the housing industry and stuff, that they've seen their parents take a hit and they no longer believe. And so the millennial generation, what we've seen from them is that if they're not working for a cause, they're likely not working. Mm. If there's not a social reason, if we're not adding value, like a Tom's Shoes, right, like a Zappo, like everything that we're doing, we're doing this with great commerce, but it's the commerce then drives the social purpose, which adds value, which gives us existence beyond profiteering. And and I think that the millennials really, uh, at least for me, one of those key associative points that I hit on with them, which is, yep, absolutely, man. Amen. Let's go get it. Let's add value to people. Let's make profit. But at the end of the day, what's the profit for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's like, uh, you know, to be driven by more than just a profit. Right. It's not like it's, hey, we're against profit, but the value that we want to receive in return uh, of giving value is much more than just profit. Right. There's we, we've got to make a difference. We've got to see a result that makes the world a better place. Purpose precedes powerful pull, not profit. Wow. There we go. Let me say that one again. Purpose precedes powerful pull. If you want your people to have powerful pull, they need to have purpose. You can't put profit in front of your people and say, 
if you powerfully pull, then the investors will make more profit. That mm-hmm. That's not a compelling reason to get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. But purpose will yield powerful pull beyond a paycheck. Yeah. It, it's crazy, too, to sit here and think that the, the mindset that you were just kind of summarizing on millennials is often looked upon as immature, right? Uh, like going back to your point of if they're not working for a cause, they're not working. And a lot of times uh, society will get a little caught up in the not working part. Um, but to your point, there might be a more mature thinking that's that's happening at a, a younger age uh, across the board there, right? I think we just have to give them that that you know that reason to uh, to reason to leave the basement and uh, um, no millennials were harmed in the filming of this commercial. That's right. Um, so I think that 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 to me is just one of those key pieces. There is a massive amount of talent and inertia with this generation. We just have to be responsible enough to show them the purpose, show them the process, and and. Uh, and again, be the leaders that unlock the potential of this massive generation. Yeah. Well, it's a big topic and it's one, uh, not just maturity, but being other centric. And it's one that I I'm, I don't think I really have to go out on a limb here. I, I doubt there's anyone listening right now that feels like they have reached the pinnacle of maturity in their life. Um, and so it's it's a next step we can all take. Right. And just like you said, as you went to the, the conference uh, obviously good things that happened, right? You gave the reviews of your, uh, the Raider that, that they gave you, but you were also realizing in that moment how you could mature, right? And so we're always progressing. We're always getting better. Um, and so that's obviously something uh, we want to encourage all of you to do. And that's what this podcast is all about. And as a matter of fact, that's what working with Chris and influence leadership is all about. And so if that's something that you are interested in uh, personally or for your organization or having Chris come and speak, uh, as you heard, uh, people who hear him, his clients absolutely love him. And uh, so we encourage you to do that. Go to influenceleadership.com, learn all about uh, Chris and his business. And you can actually see a section on there on keynote uh, addresses that he gives, which might give you some great guidance there. The blog, again, remains active. So make sure that you check that out. And uh, while you're at it, make sure that you rate the podcast. It certainly helps people like you find it. And uh, certainly uh, encourages us as well as we go through that. So, you know, here we are. We'll, we'll make sure that we go to Iditarod.com and keep up with the race this next week. I'm, a, I'm actually pretty curious to see how that goes. So I will be doing that personally for sure. Uh, but as we wrap up here, Chris, any final words? A couple things. Number one, uh, Iditarod Insider. So you can sign up for um, to follow the race by the Iditarod Insider. And if you support that, um, then those proceeds help go back and, and fund um, uh, canine care and a bunch of other great causes. So, oh, cool. Uh, I did a right insiders one piece. Secondarily, a new piece that I added to the uh, Influence Leadership website that I um, didn't tell you about, Brett, is on the About page. If you go to the About page, there is now a capability statement. So if anybody wants to know, hey, what are all the things that you do, can do, um, then they can download the PDF about the capability statement. So influenceleadership.com slash about and look for the capability statement. Oh, awesome. So as we wrap up, you know, my, my thoughts around wrapping up um, are maybe you're in a take-take culture, not a give-give culture. And I want to encourage you, if you feel extracted from, if you feel used and abused, if you are in a culture uh, where leaders are not living in this way, they're not 
servant leaders, they're narcissistic leaders, then I want to encourage you to, to look and try to be that seed change for your organization. You know, one of the things that they talk about cultural change is that all we need is the square root of the population to begin cultural change. And maybe you're that person that is that influencer and you start to leverage that relationship and that give, give, that servant leader value added role that then starts to you will have the informal power in everybody's ear as you start into this maturity process of being other centric and being very collaborative um, in, instead of being very myopic. And so just want to encourage you in that be that seed change. You're there for a reason. And, uh, and just believe that you can make a difference exactly where you're at. I believe that you can. And if there's anything we can do to help you, um, certainly jump in, send us an email, send us a jump in on the podcast, add a comment or something like that. And we'll be glad to uh, see what we can do to support you right where you are. All right. Make sure you go to influenceleadership.com. And thank you so much for listening to the Influence Leadership Podcast.